everyone. Welcome to the Practica Podcast, the podcast where we encourage the practical application of the pulpit ministry in the local church. And I am Josh Loftus, sitting here in person with David. I'm pretty sure he's taking a picture of me. I no, I'm not. I'm just holding up my phone. You're holding up your that phone. That way, I can have my information facing me. Yeah. I. You know what? Hey, psyching you I out. I charge. I charge for pictures with oh then i'm putting okay. the phone down i was gonna say yeah it's not worth it <laughs> but yeah we're in person but you which get what is, you pay for yeah. which has been a while it has been yeah yeah it's it's rare that i have well it's rare these days both of us have time yeah um and uh today the lord in his providence worked it out that we could actually hang out together in person which yeah. is always better um and i'm glad to be up here anytime I'm, i know i've said this before anytime i get to come up to the great north i am happy <laughs> it, it does my soul good, even though, even though, it's too hot. It is it's really hot. hot outside. I don't like the sun, right? I don't like the heat, right? Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the fall. The fall yeah. is going to be fantastic, and um, yeah, absolutely. You just don't like it being warm. I don't. Oh no, no, no! I absolutely hate the heat. The heat is the worst thing in the world. Um, and if I could live somewhere where there was no sun, well, maybe sun where there's no maybe sun. sun. Hold on, I'll, Josh, I'll, I'll that's amend probably it. not good for you. Well, no, I would just eat a lot of oranges, right? Okay. Uh, so if I could live somewhere where there's no sun or sun, maybe you know, a couple days out of the month, like a couple days out of the month, like okay, once a week we get a day of sun, that would be perfect. I would be so happy. I'd be as happy as a clam in his little clam shell. <laughs> One of these days, maybe Norway, maybe it's Norway. There's parts in Norway that like are dark all the time. Yeah. That would be legit. That's very true. That would be legit cool. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, David, how are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited that we're able to be in person and- Yes. And- It's uh, good. It'll be fun. You know, the next couple of weeks you are- uh, preaching, so that'll be really good. Yeah, I'll yeah. be up in your guys' neck of the woods the yeah. next two weeks. Looking so forward we'll be to switching that. places. Back to back. That's yeah. right. Yep, switching switching spots. Yeah, it'll be I good. Like it. Always love, always love filling the pulpit for you guys. Yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, to, it's always good to have you and be able to, you know, switch places in the podcast. That's right. Talk yes, about your right. expositions. That's right. So. Such as they are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, hey, I uh, I procured. A few jokes. Oh, okay. Lay it on me. What you and, got? And uh, funny, like over-the-top funny ones that just make you like laugh really well. Yeah. And and react uh, with much joy to them are really hard to find. Yeah. Too bad none of these are going to be like that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Unfortunately. <laughs> They're just going to be mediocre. Right. So here's my here's my dad jokes. Okay. Um, and I'll tell them to my children later to feel better about the delivery. So, um, but anyways, I uh, I debated a flat earther once. Okay. Um, yeah. And he stormed off saying he'd walk to the edge of the earth to prove me wrong. And I'm sure he'll come around eventually. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Nice one. I, I feel like if I ever really met a flat earther, like I've heard of people... Um, you know, they've never told me, um, but like other people who have basically mentioned through others that they're flat earthers, yeah, yeah, which right. 
So all I have is is person to person misinformation. Okay. Um, but I want to use that on a flat earther one day. That Absolutely. Would be awesome. Like, so are you going to come around eventually? Yeah, yeah you'll come around. Uh, come around. <laughs> yeah. Get it? See what yep. I did there? Uh, where are they no. going? Yeah, come back. But uh, <laughs> the other day, yeah, my wife told me to take uh, a spider that was in our house out. Okay. She told me to take the spider out instead of killing him. Oh, okay. And so we went out, had a few drinks. He's a nice guy. <laughs> He's a web designer. <laughs> a web designer. Okay, that one's not bad. No. That one that one's better than the first one. Take him out. So we went out and had a few drinks. He's a nice guy. <laughs> All right. That one's Re- actually that one's actually not bad. Redeemed myself. You did. I didn't in see this I didn't context. I didn't see that one coming. And yeah. Th- those are the best ones. When the punchline is something out of left field yeah. that you're not expecting. Uh that was good. Well done. Oh, yeah. Well done. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! All right, David. Well, the office is getting hot, so yes, I say I say we start start uh, start into <laughs> our start into our work. Yes, right? let's actually start into the work here. So, last Lord's Day, you were uh, continuing the exposition in chapter four, and we were in chapter four of First John verses ten through twelve. Yes, sir. All right. All right. So I'm going to read that for us. You're going to give us a little synopsis, and we'll hop in. That sounds great. All right, First John, chapter four, starting in verse ten. Going through 12. It says this. It says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is is perfected in us. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Amen indeed. Such an amazing passage. I'm jealous. I wish I could have preached this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These, yeah. This is one of those, before we hop in, this is one of those, so so any anyone that has done any amount of preaching for any amount of time, right, you have those sets of verses that just, for lack of a better term, just preach. Yeah. Right? And this is one of those passages that if you were if you were called to and me as as a pulpit thug, right, that, that goes around and does and has the benefit of being able to kind of pick and choose sometimes what I preach. Yeah. This is one of those passages that that stand out as this as a one-off sermon, like this preaches. Yeah. And that's what's cool about preaching through books of the Bible is that you get to experience those uh, as a preacher, right? As as well with kind of the slog verses that are just like, oh boy, we're in the weeds here, right? <laughs> Where's the gospel here, right? But this is one of those passages, like I said, like I, I saw this, I'm like, oh man, yeah, that that passage that that's one of those one of those preaching passages right there. Yeah, I feel like chapter four is really good. That the last couple have uh, sort of felt like that. Even, yeah. I would just yeah. say the whole of chapter four, because it really is John retelling several points from, you know, the first three chapters in several different ways. And I've probably said it more times than anyone wants to try and count and track down. But really, a lot of what John is saying in chapter four, he has said in chapter two. And so as we looked at verses 10 through 12, 
and I reminded our people that we were intending to take chapter four very, very slowly because there's opportunity to do a lot of recap. You know, you cover the one point that God has loved us. It's not that we have first loved him, but that he first loved us. And in that, there's a great encouragement And, you know, we continually look back to look at the ways in which John has made this point. Look at the ways in which he's instructed us. Yeah. And so as we covered verses 10 through 12, we had seen in our our outline of each individual verse that God has loved us, so we ought to love as he abides in us. And so I love that the very first point of that in verse 10 is not what we need to do, but what we need to know. Um, often uh, I've heard it said that in expositions, there's there's primarily two types, either expositions to preach about what to do or expositions to preach about what to know. And John kind of has this tendency to write in a way to say, I'm not going to let future preachers pick. Yeah. I'm going to give them what they need to know, and That's then right. I'm going to instruct in what you they need both. to do. Yeah, you get both. <laughs> and so it begins with what we need to know. And I think that's really incredible because the context is that it's not that God saw something in us um, or that he changed in order to meet us on a level of saying, I will love you. It is that God chose uh, to love us despite the condition we were in. And we kind of walked, walked through some details around uh, the depravity of man and the state we were in apart from Christ. We looked at um, <clears throat> Ephesians 2 and Colossians 1. And in that, we saw several examples of what it means um, that basically uh, God has loved us in this fallen state. Hmm. And he has done so through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in light of that gospel truth... And God reconciling us from sin and saving us through the redemption of Christ, we ought to love one another. And in that, we we learn this big important word that that Christ is the propitiation for our sins. And I got a little got a little feisty on it, a big shocker um, to those you? who know me. I know, but really in that um, that word, I think is so important. It, it's certainly there's a there's a technicality to the term, just like many others in Scripture. In, in Titus 3, Paul uses the word regeneration when he's talking about um, new birth by the Spirit in a, mm. in a believer. And so there are technical terms in Scripture, but I think that those are really important not to change. And so without trying to dog on other translations, I really tried to make the point that we as believers need to be willing to do some technical work. Um, I, I don't know why, but it came into my mind the illustration of, you know, if somebody fixed my my brakes in my car and did some some work on it and then said they wrote up this manual on it, but they did it kind of in a thought for thought, I would find that unhelpful. I want the word for word. I want the technical terms, and I want to be able to search to to understand them so I know how to rightly use that 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 vehicle. 
Now, even if somebody gave you that, though, you wouldn't. You wouldn't <laughs> let, let, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> they got to be certified. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even True. if somebody gave that to you, not only would, yeah, I probably wouldn't trust it, but also it's a big leap to think that I'd actually still know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. But, but, I think, but it's a good illustration. Though. Yeah. I, I understand where you're and coming so, through. <laughs> so, like, with the scriptures, I think. You know, people have seen the word propitiation in the NIV and even the CSB, which I quite love. The CSB in a yeah, devotional, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. in a devotional context, the CSB and the NIV use the word atoning sacrifice. And so, without a a knowledge of the Word of God, even on a basic level, um, you could look at an atoning sacrifice in the Old Testament, and you could look at the context of Jesus being called atoning sacrifice. And I think you can then dangerously make an assumption that this is just like any other atoning sacrifice. John's just getting specific with this guy named Jesus. And yet the word propitiation literally means it appeases, it satisfies the wrath of God um, eternally, forever. Mm. And no other sacrifice ever did that to that extent. And so we talked about the fact that when we say God loved us, we're not just saying, he's saying, hey, love you, buddy. But he genuinely showed it for us in Mm -hmm. Christ. And so in light of that uh, gospel love, then we ought to love one another. And so... You know, the week prior when we did verses 7 through 9, I really walked through some examples um, that even our presence on the Lord's Day with us, or with one another, um, is a way in which we love one another. And we love one another through seeking to serve and and seeking to put one another before ourselves and, and being sacrificial in every area of our life, our time, talents, and treasures. And so we do this and we're motivated to do this because God abides in us. Mm. Um, that that we don't seek to love one another, at least we should not, um, because there's some underlying motivation in our flesh. Yeah, It should be a motivation of the Spirit. And so, I mean, we, we find that in Galatians 5, when Paul's outlining the fruit of the Spirit, he says that one among that fruit is love. Mm-hmm. And so it is a fruit that comes forth from those who are in the spirit. And so as those who abide in God and God abides in us, uh, we are called to love one another. And so we really talked about what it means for God's life-giving love to be found in us and in our practice, that we really have to sacrificially love the brethren. And I'll I'll tell you, I told you this before we... Hit record. I I really got um, just kind of had an honest moment and just said I'm not inclined to want to be loving. Like mm. I'm not a positive, like optimistic kind of person. I more quickly see the bad. I I I think I'm hopeful. I'm a realist, but that's really not true. Yeah. Um, you're a good Reformed Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> I have resting Baptist face. You do. Um, you do. RBF. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So in that, you know, I just was really honest. I have a tendency to be able to see more of the things um, in our fellowship, in our membership, in our in our life as a church, uh, and in my own life as a believer that are inadequate or that mm, sure, are, that sure. are still of the flesh rather than of the spirit. And and sometimes I just kind of dwell on those things. And I, I will say, I loved this text in preaching it because 
it also convicted me um, that seeking to love one another is not just about how we treat each other, but how we speak of one another, mm. how we think of one another, and how mm. we pray for one another. And so out of that, really, the resounding question we asked in seeking to practically apply this was, is God's life-giving love found in us and in our practice? Yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that really is the ultimate question, right? And I think that's that's a question that we have continually, continually, excuse me, asked through this entire series. Yeah. And one that I think John does a really good job at just, he doesn't, something that I love about John, and we've touched on this before, but something that I love about this is that John is not, he's not concerned with simply <clears throat> just giving you a list of things to do without telling you the why, right? Right. And it's even more, it's it's even like it almost seems like each time John talks about this kind of thing, it gets more and more blatant, right? As John says, "Look, you need to love one another, right? It's something you need to do if you are going to claim to be a Christian, loving one another, having a life that is marked by love, so that others will know us by our love. That's something that is a it is it, it's a non negotiable. He could have just left it there." Right. And then and pile that and we gotta be like, okay, I guess I gotta I gotta pull myself up by my bootstraps and work harder, right? But he doesn't do that. He points to the reason. He gives you not only the reason, but he gives you the motivation. And within that motivation is the ability and the power to do it. Right. And he points and says, Look, it's not that you somehow loved God first. Or it's not that God looked at you and thought, Huh, this guy <laughs> Oh man, this guy's got it all together. This guy's got everything that I'm looking for. He's a prime candidate for this position, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Um, which is how I think a lot of people, at least maybe maybe not in words, but maybe practically, kind of live, right? Is they think they're all that in a bag of chips, right? Because they have maybe all of their ologies and all their isms sorted out, at least in their mind. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and they think they're kind of hot stuff. Right. And we can live in almost this presumptuous way that almost gives the, gives the, gives the message, even though, you know, Lord willing, none of us would actually say this, but it gives the message as though we kind of think that, oh man, isn't, isn't God, isn't God kind of lucky to have me? Like, look at, look at how well I represent him. Right. Look at how well. I've got all, all, you know, all my stuff together, right? And we live in this way that forgets, forgets the truth of the gospel, forgets the truth of where we were before Christ and that everything we have, not just your salvation, ultimately your salvation, but everything else, the love that you have for God, your ability to understand theological concepts, your ability to embrace truths of scripture that 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 have to be taken by faith that we can't honestly you know work out completely this side of heaven. Your ability to do that, to understand the doctrines of grace to the degree that we can, to understand God's sovereignty, to get all these things is 100% because God decided to give you that. And not because he, you know, somehow picked somebody that was going to be, you know, more intellectually uh, adept to, to be able to, to, to understand these things. Because that's not me, right? I, I think that I can do as good a job as probably most people with, you know, discussing theology and things like that. And, and I enjoy doing it. 
But there are so many things that I just scratch my head on, and I'm like, wait, okay, hold on. That was, hold on, what... What ology is that again? You know, what is what does this mean exactly? You know, and I have to remember, like, <clears throat> all of that's by grace, right? So in our interactions with one another, like on a daily basis in the local church, I think John does a really good job at pointing. It's like, look, how you interact with each other, how you think about each other, how you talk about each other, you know, whether it's to that person's face or behind their back, it matters. Yeah. It matters. Because it's a reflection. Right. And I think one of the things that every Christian has to wrestle with when reading First John is that John does not sidestep hard words. No, um, he doesn't. And, and hard actions and, and um, hard change. And so it becomes really important to even understand that, you know, as much as we are to sacrificially love one another, which again, in God's example, it means loving the unlovely yeah you know it means loving the worst of of these yeah and so if again that's how god has loved us then you know sacrificially it means there is a time for gentleness there's a time for um for grace and there's a time for truth and there's a time for an intentional biblical rebuke you know i made the point on sunday even that leviticus 19 you know, is is quoted Leviticus nineteen eighteen to love your neighbor as yourself, which is what Jesus is drawing from when instructing the disciples in John thirteen. But also, if you go just a few verses later, the Lord is saying, "You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with him." Um, and so, in that, that's not incompatible with loving our neighbor, but we. I think one of the things that you and I would probably agree on, Josh, unless you completely disagree with me and we contradict one another in this time. We'll see. We'll We'll see. see. Could get spicy. Buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things I think that we would probably agree on is we need to have some healthy self-assessment that's sober of ourselves. In order to be sacrificial, it doesn't mean that we're going to throw out every thought of logic and and give ourselves to almost a type of slavery to others. Again, we're slaves of Christ, not man. Mm-hmm. And so out of that, I think we have to very, very intentionally and, and very purposefully really examine what's the motivation in my heart? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, am I, you know, again, if if I'm seeking to love someone who's caught in a deception or who's walking in sin, mm-hmm. have I examined myself to be able to love them in the process? Have I been able to really see the areas where, by God's grace, I have strengths? And am I then using them to serve the body? I think there's a lot of Christians who have a tendency to make assumptions of Scripture and assumptions of their own maturity level. Yeah. And the danger yeah. in that is they become more of a hindrance than a help to the church. Right. Yeah, no, that's 100% correct. Yeah, I can d- definitely co-sign on that. And and we, it's, it's something we talk about in counseling a lot too, right? Is you need to understand that how you say something is just as important as what you say, right? Now, we're required to speak truth, right? We're required to, to 
utilize scripture in the way that it is that it needs to be used, right? But you don't, don't got to be a jerk for Jesus. <laughs> that's right. You don't got to add hot sauce to it, right? Yeah, there right? you go. That that's the thing, right? And that's what Paul's talking about in Romans when he talks about noisy gongs and clanging clanging cymbals, right? He says that you can. Or, Do you mean First uh, Corinthians? Excuse 13? me, excuse me, excuse me. First Corinthians thirteen. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. End of. <laughs> yeah, no, my bad, my bad. Yeah, I <laughs> I got you. I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> yeah, I saw the. I saw my. Yeah, my eyes like was like. Wait, no, that's not Romans eight. Um. Anyway. 1 Corinthians 13, at the end of the chapter, he talks about the necessity of having love for your brother, right? And and he even he even goes into, you know, you can speak in the tongues of angels, right? You can have all wisdom and all knowledge. You can you can speak the theology fluently. You can like what you're saying can be true. It can be, it can be beautifully true. But if you're not saying it, through a motivation of love for that individual, Paul says you are a noisy gong, you're a clanging cymbal, you're useless. It would be better for you to stay silent. Yeah. And that's something that I think a lot of people miss is they fall into this, this deception that I have heard, right, that well, the truth that I'm speaking is the love. So we talk, we we you know we we hear about this concept of speaking truth and love, right? Well, the truth that I'm speaking is loving. It is loving that I should speak the truth. Yes, of course it is. Absolutely, it is. Nobody's nobody's arguing that, right? But Paul's point is not that simple, right? You you are taking that verse and you are dumbing it down to give yourself credence to say the things in order, giving yourself credence to feed your flesh under the guise of speaking truth. Because let's be honest, we all know it feels good to throw a zinger across someone's bow. <laughs> right? Yeah. Especially, especially when you know you're right. Yeah. Right? When you know, oh, this person, like, I have, I have assessed the situation correctly. I am utilizing scripture in its proper context. I am going to jackhammer this. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to smack somebody in the face with the gospel. Right. In that moment, even though what you are saying, the words that you are saying might be true, it would be better for you to be silent because of your motivation and the way that you are speaking that truth. Yeah. You know, it always reminds me of First Corinthians in the very beginning, mm. in Paul's greeting to the church. Um, he says in First Corinthians uh, chapter one verse two, yeah. to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you in verse three, mm-hmm. and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's Paul's beginning statement as he then goes in to essentially rebuke them over two books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Paul sends some zingers. <laughs> he does, and he's saying, listen, you're divided. You're sexually immoral. Right. You you don't understand how to behave. You're suing one another. There are yeah. things that are against Christian ethics. More, you know, there, there are things that are against... A Christian fellowship, yeah, and these things are found in you. And yet, where he begins is to season his words, yes. not with any fluff. So, like Paul's not after adding sugar to his message, but he's seasoning it. He's seasoning it properly, right? And I think right. that's the thing that we we have to understand 
is just because we're speaking the truth doesn't mean we have to be a jerk. Yeah. And right. so, you know, again, if we're going to consider others and we're going to love one another as we would desire to be loved, I think we also need to ask the question of how would I long for a brother to come to me mm-hmm. and address that? Yeah, I think that helps know how to address it. And two, not everybody's the same as you. I, I get it. Like we have the same Bible, you know, by God's grace in a, in a local church we're we're all seeking to utilize healthy theological resources and so there's like-mindedness there and yet there are many brothers that are that are different they've come from different backgrounds different upbringings they communicate differently yes and to that a, that right there is key it is right and it's there, so funny in that counseling we kind of throw that out and we're like well the truth is the truth so there you go yes the truth is the truth right but you are not always truthful. Right. And and the spirit and the spirit <laughs> even though it is the same truth, it's the same gospel, it's the same word of God, it applies the truth differently to the individual. Because the Holy Spirit understands that each person is made differently. Right? So it's not that it's changing the message, it's not that it's changing the truth, but everyone learns and receives differently. Right? So the Holy Spirit is going to utilize that truth and apply it to that person's life differently than it might with you. And we need to understand that. And we need to, we need to present that truth in a way that isn't us trying to, trying to create the mold, you know, um, in and of ourselves. Yeah. Right. I think too many people fall into that trap of, Oh, this is exactly what this person needs because of all the preconceptions that you have created in your head about this person. So this is what that person needs, and this is exactly the way they need to hear it. Yeah, you and know, most of the time, you're wrong. <laughs> That's just not how it works. <laughs> you know, there's that um, for a while now. There's been that really popular uh, ministry and methodology of the love languages. You oh, know, first Gary Chapman. Yeah, don't get me going, Mr. Don't, Chapman. Don't get me going on the Chapman five love languages. languages of love. Don't do it. Did man. you know that? And the as love a dare, joke, just, oh. years ago. I think it was like over text conversation, Jaron and I were texting, and I texted him like, hey, did you know there's five love languages of the Reformed faith? And I texted him like the five, it was a total joke, and he's like, dude, this is amazing, you actually need to make a spoof on this. <laughs> but again, it's that big of a deal, it's like part of people's language, yeah. and it's all about, when you get into that, it's all about getting behind knowing the way in which you receive love and then give love. Sure. And- while I think that's gone too far, I do think we tend to forget um, the fact that we're not all the same. True. We are many parts of a body. And so, again, like there are those who are naturally inclined to serve. And it doesn't mean, I think where it's gone too far is people saying like, well, I'm not someone who does acts of service, so I'm just never going to do that. <laughs> I just receive <laughs> gifts, so I'm just going to give gifts. <laughs> And yet, all of us are called to, um, you know, give. All of us are called to serve. All of us are called to be uh, encouragers and give exhortation of the word. But I think within that, we do need to have that consideration of how different everyone is. There are those who will say five words and feel it's enough. Yeah. And there are those who are who will say 500 words and go, I haven't said enough. Yeah. And so within that, I think even in seeking to love one another is remembering that right before Paul starts to talk about love in an explicit way in 1 Corinthians 15, 
he first goes into that in First Corinthians twelve. Yeah, he's saying, "Listen, you are all different. You're part of a body. You have a perfect head, and you are a messy body." Yeah. Now, here's what it means to love one another. Right. Right. And and it requires like that that mentality, right? Because the mentality that we have been describing, kind of the one size fits all cookie cutter way of loving people, it doesn't require any discernment. It doesn't require any wisdom. It doesn't require any effort. Yeah. Right? Because it's whatever you think. It's, As you would and, say, 100%. And, yeah, 100%. That's right. And it, 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 it honestly, it's lazy because it ends up being however you feel like showing love in that moment. Yeah. Right? True love, especially within the context of the local church, requires commitment and effort to understand the people that you are loving. And everyone is going to need to be loved differently. Because of the way that God has made them. Yeah. Right? So a body that is seeking to be unified in love and expressing love toward one another, just like God has given it to them, is going to be a body that is concerned about understanding and knowing one another. Yeah. Right? And not just not just knowing one another in the, like this superficial, surface level type way, but getting into the trenches with one another and asking each other, what is it that you need? How, what makes you tick? Right? How do you communicate? How can I be all things to all people, as Paul describes, and give myself to you in a way that I know is actually going to be meaningful and not just easy or convenient for me? Yeah. Right? That is what we attempt to do in counseling, right? Is, is we don't have a cookie cutter shape uh, 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 methodology that just fits everybody, right? If I'm going to be effective for this individual in the counseling room, I need to understand who they are. I need to form a relationship with them. Yeah. I need to actually get to care about I have who to they are. legitimately care about them and love them and have a desire for the good of their soul. Right. And then with that motivation, I'm actually going to be able to be effective in the way that I communicate. Right. And this isn't just something that that is that is exclusive to people in ministry or or biblical counseling. Right. This is what we're called to do for each other as Christians. Right, because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus met you where you were in your filth and in your grime, and He changed you. Right? Yeah. He didn't say, "Okay, you know, this is this is the you know I I need you to get to this point uh, before grace can be applied to you and before I can actually start loving you." Jesus didn't care. He took us exactly where we were, and exactly where we were was dead. <laughs> and all of our death looked differently, but it, we were united in the fact that we were dead. And Jesus met you there and he loved you and he gave himself to you, right? That's what we do. And that is when you start to see true love, biblical love, like John is describing here. That's when you start to see that catch like wildfire through the church. When people start to understand that what I, the way that I receive love might not necessarily be how my brother or sister receives it. So you know what? Let's actually get to know this person so that I can effectively be their brother and sister in Christ and with all with everything that that entails right yeah you know I think one of the reasons why all of this becomes a big challenge um, as we're talking about some very practical steps of both self-examination self-sacrifice and an intentional care in how to love the members of the body hmm. Um both locally with our church and and abroad with other believers. Right. Um, I think why it becomes difficult is because love in our culture 
um, while it carries many definitions and 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 practical uh, uh, applications, one of the difficult things about it is it requires you to check your brain at the door. Mm. So love yeah. is love. Love, love is, is full acceptance. Right. right. And and because yeah. that terminology has to remain in vague land, and if you bring truth into it, it needs to be relative. Right, right, um, right. Because of those things, we have, an, we have a, I think, a difficult time remembering, just in different moments, I know I do, that love is, in, in God's word and by God himself, is defined as not something that you check your brain at the door, but something that is very logical, something that is very theological, mm-hmm. something that is very practical and very intentional. Yeah. And so, again, when we talk about loving one another, we're not talking about what the culture applies. And so that means, again, as John labored over five chapters to make the point on Christian love and, and Christian assurance as the community of faith, it becomes a really important point to not look around in the world and say, how can we Christianize love? But how can we rather take back uh, a biblical true application of love? Yeah. I need to be logical. I need to be intentional. I need to be biblical. Um, those are really important steps. And I think that's why we have to do some self-examination because the Christian is required to have a biblical worldview. Right. And if you do, that means love isn't love. Love, love is God is love. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah. God is love. <laughs> right, and that is the answer of which we begin from. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, now thinking on some practical application, we did get a question that was great. What? Yeah, All wonderful right. to get questions by the great English miner. Uh, historian in our church. Oh my goodness! Um, and I'm so, already scared. Aaron, you better be listening because I'm giving you a shout out, and I'm telling oh. you, I'm saying accurately because I called him an English major in one of our episodes. Oh, okay. And, and like, then no, 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 and no. Then he gave English, me a talking English to, minor. and oh, no. he told me he is not an English major. He's an yeah. English minor. Okay, so but he's, but he's so, a historian. So okay, so he's a child in English. <laughs> He's gonna love Wait. that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Is that what that means? I'm no, explain my ignorance. It's his minor in his studies. Oh, his kids are English. It, it's his minor. Sure. Okay. Something like that. I don't know what's going so, on. So um, <laughs> I don't know. I was homeschooled. Who knows? Um, but <laughs> you didn't major in nothing. <laughs> I, my English extends to this conversation. Oh, Beyond okay, that, okay, we're okay, done. okay. Yeah, yeah. No, but <laughs> if Aaron, it's not in the form of a meme, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So Aaron asked uh, a question because uh, in our last episode, I, you know, I made the point of, you know, bringing somebody coffee doesn't mean that you're loving them. It doesn't just <laughs> sure, mean, sure, sure. right? Like, so I was just basically trying to talk about the fact that if you're just doing an act of kindness, while that's great, um, again, I've been working long hours um, between the two jobs, and I know a few members in our church um, have asked um, hey, when would be a good time to bring Shauna a coffee? Now, Aww. what's behind all of that is a very loving thing um, because they're considering my wife and her work and they're considering 
you know, the, the responsibility she has as a mother and as a wife. And but what's, what David's saying is it's not actually love unless you bring him one too. <laughs> that's the problem. That, that's, yeah. sorry. <laughs> We're going to take this moment to address an issue. <laughs> I've got no coffees. <laughs> no. I don't see any coffees. <laughs> yeah. Where's my coffees? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, that's too much coffee. Yeah, We're no, not going to yeah, do no, it. No, no, no. David doesn't need any more coffee. <laughs> no, but uh, in light of that, you know, the heart of that, um, and caring for one another is great. But, you know, even when we talked about it last time, Aaron had asked the question, if bringing coffee isn't enough, um, how else can I practically love people in our church? So in our context at Redeemer. That's a great question. David. It is. So are you going <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. you you to take that back? I was waiting for that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I do think it's a great question. I think it, it again... As as with a lot of things within this topic, especially within this this particular book, it comes down much more to the heart than it does the actual action, right? Although bringing somebody coffee is a really great way to to show that you are thinking about them, caring about them, right? It's so much more about having a mentality of genuinely caring for your people, and then obviously letting that. Uh, manifest itself in practical ways. So the coffee, bringing someone the coffee, is the practical means in which that motivation is is shown, right? One of the ways, right? Ultimately, the ultimate way is, like we were just talking about, caring for that individual's soul, right? They might appreciate coffee. Bring them coffee, absolutely, right? But also, do so in a way that that isn't just checking the box like okay cared for that person today i don't need to worry about that anymore right it's much more about having the mentality and the motivation of caring for this person because they are one part of your local body right but two they're your brother or sister in christ right so it might be coffee one day it might be sending a text the other day it might be giving them a phone call or or scheduling a time to you know to to get together with them the means can look different and the means really aren't the important thing, although it is important to have means, if that makes sense, right? It's much more about, do you, are they on your mind? Are you praying for them? Are you invested in their lives on a spiritual level, right? It doesn't mean that you have to sit down and do a Bible study with them, right? But are you praying for them? Do you care about them? Are you invested in, in, in caring for them in, in, in more ways than just the practical? Although the practical is vital, because if the practical is not there, David and I would both say, if the practical is not there, it's pro- it probably means that there's something with something wrong with the source. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? right. So the practical needs to be there. Right. But I think it's opening your mind a little bit to to not so much just viewing the practical ways as the only barometer. I think a much more effective and a much and a much more biblical thing to focus on is what is my motivation and my mentality for getting this person coffee? Yeah. Right. Uh, and how else can I show that I love this person with that motivation? Right. So it's it's much more about the heart than than the outward appearance. Right. Which is a theme that we've seen all through this book and that we see throughout scripture. Right. Is that you can have like you can be doing all the right things, but if they're done out of an incorrect motivation. Yeah, it's wrong, right? So that would be kind of the first thing that I would say with yeah. that is is focus much more on the heart and and on your motivation for doing those things, and let let that be the motivation, right? And not just 
oh, this person likes coffee, so I'm going to get them coffee, right? Definitely get them coffee. I think it's a good thing to do. I know Shauna would appreciate coffees. <laughs> yes, right? she would. But but why are you doing it, right? Right. And then extend that motivation to everyone in your church. It doesn't mean you have to buy everyone coffee because that would get expensive really, really quick, right? But are the people of God on your mind? Are they on your heart? Do you care about them? Are they people that you that you pray for, that you have a genuine love for? Right. Um, I would say I would say it starts there. Yeah. You know, I think prayer is such a vital aspect mm-hmm. of this that um, I, I don't know that it's anyone's thought to to cause it to be an addendum or or a last resort. But it should be a first because, again, even in in the context of John's letter, where he says in verse 10 that God first loved us. Yeah. Well then shouldn't we go to the first one who's shown love and 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 ask of him how might I love the brethren? And even I think even further we can look at John 17 and we can look at our high priest's prayer and we can see his petitions and his love for his people. He's praying and he says I'm praying for not only these, but those who will believe because of their testimony. That's incredible. Um, And so he's praying at that point, both for his disciples and for the lost elect that will become saved. And so you see this great love of Christ right before the cross. Like that's a sacrificial prayer at the height of example. And I think within that, you know, when we look at the New Testament, Often it seems we want explicit answers, and those become our applications. Yeah. Give me a list. Yeah, give me a list. Give me give a me, list to check off. Yeah. <laughs> give me the clear answer. Love is this, and love right. is shown in these steps. Yeah. Because but also, it's easy. It is easy. It's easier that way. But really, if we look at the New Testament and we look at where the apostles as a whole are using the language of one another, well, then every single one of those applications points to an aspect of loving one another. Um, again, you think of of the example of prayer. Again, um, it's why um, James, in chapter 5 of his letter, says, Therefore, in verse 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I think in that, that is a great way to love one another, mm-hmm. to confess our sin. And the way yeah. in which our brother can love us is by hearing that confession right. and praying uh, with us. And so out of that, I think some practical ways are definitely to be praying. Look at your church covenant. I would say that. I quoted our church covenant, um, which calls for brotherly love. Um, there are many passages of scripture um, that we quoted informing that. Um, because, again, we just want that to come naturally from the scriptures. Yeah. And so out of that, I think, look at, look at the Word, uh, scan the New Testament um, in, in context, and look for the one another's. I would say as well, again, pray. And when you feel that you've prayed enough, pray. Um, and then, like I said, look at your church covenant and ask others, how would you seek to love others? 
How would you seek to love the brethren? And yeah. I think you'll find there's ways in which God uses his body in those unique differences um, to show the whole picture because that's where John resolves. Right. That's so incredible is to say through this, the love of God is perfected. And I sought to clarify that does not mean uh, God is insufficient or without perfection. It means God right. is using the body of Christ to bring about the display of his perfect love yep. um, through Christ's people. Look, the ultimate answer to that question is the same that, that you'll get with, with almost any question. It is the Sunday school answer, but it's the true answer. How do you see Jesus loving in the Gospels? How do you see Jesus living out what this love looks like to his disciples, to the sick and the needy, to the downcast? How do you see Christ showing love and manifesting the love of God to the people that he interacted with? Christ is our example. He's our ultimate example. He's the perfect example, right? When we say God is love, Jesus Jesus is literally setting the standard, giving us the perfect example in himself of how we are to love one another, right? And sometimes it's getting that person coffee. <clears throat> sometimes it's sending somebody a text. Sometimes it's praying quietly for that person without them even knowing, Sometimes it's 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 getting together with that person and asking, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Right? Yeah. Jesus shows us in so many different ways how love can be shown in the Gospels. Look at how Christ loved. Look at how he spoke. Look at what he did. Right? And you keep that in your mind. That's that that that's gonna set you on the right course of how do I love one another? How has Jesus loved me? Yeah. How did he love his disciples? How did he love the woman at the well? How did he love the the ten lepers? Right? How did how did he love the man that was lowered down to him through the through the roof? Right? Look at how Christ loved and then go and do so also. Yeah. You know, those old bracelets, I think they were produced back in the 80s. What or would 90s. Jesus do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like those bracelets were not bad. No, it's what a great was question. What bad yeah. was some of the Christian culture issues around it. Yeah. <laughs> in that we didn't think very theologically or biblically deep about it, right. but it really is deep. I mean, you could take any question. What would Jesus do about ethics? Yeah. What would Jesus do uh, about marriage what would jesus do mm-hmm. about any of these subjects yep um and and again we can seek to understand that through the word absolutely so i mean even if you need speaking practically go get one of those bracelets put it on your wrist uh, and uh, seek as to a get your answer from the right. bible <clears throat> yeah there you go it, it is the ultimate question right and it's the question that needs to be on our minds th- throughout our entire life because in that 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 is going to keep you anchored to scriptures your authority Right. Asking that question is going to keep you anchored to the person of Jesus Christ and not this culture that is going to sway to and fro with its definitions of what is love and how you show it. Right. If we want to be solid in how we love one another within the local church, how has Jesus loved? What did he do? What did he say? Right. And that's the ultimate question. Right. And if we do that for each other, um, the practical, the practical, application of that question it's going to work itself out like i said it's not so much what you're doing it's the motivation and the desire behind what you're doing right amen absolutely um, so okay i'm going that. i'm going on a little tangent oh but here you, we go dude we're dude, almost oh, I, oh fine what what you, now dude what you what? can buy the bracelet still can you really you can't 100 pack 
for $24. That's a bargain. Dude, people at Redeemer are getting these bracelets. Dude, dude. Dude, okay, we're gonna do party favors this on the is Lord's going, Day. This is going to <laughs> this is going to coincide with my lifelong journey of bringing back the '90s, dude. I want is... the '90s back. I want the windbreakers, <laughs> dude. I want the you know like the the multicolored windbreakers where you could hear someone coming from a thousand yards away because right. I want the windbreakers. I want the music. I want the what would Jesus do bracelets. Let's bring it back. Let's Dude, also I, bring back like those goofy, those goofy like like uh, t-shirts, like the Christian t-shirts. Remember those? Yeah. Instead of Coca Cola, it'd be like Jesus Christ. It, yes, in the and selling. then like 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 it's like Heinz ketchup, but it's like ketchup ketchup with Jesus or something like that. It's so it's so bad. Okay, Dude, I you know love what? the nineties, man. This Let's bring is amazing. It back. Okay. I am I am so tempted. Can to... you please, dude? If you order those, I will wear it unironically. I will wear that bracelet. <laughs> I want a WWJD. I want that bracelet. <laughs> okay, so send us send us a message or a Facebook comment or tweet um, if you want a bracelet. And dude, even better. Okay, can we get them customized for the podcast? Ooh. WWJD with like Practica, like like on the back. Ooh, I like it. Some custom WW dude, dude. The Practica Podcast is going to bring back WWJD. <laughs> We're bringing back the 90s single-handedly. I love it. This podcast is a movement, and we will not be stopped. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so overkill. I love it. Dude, go big or go home. Go big I, or go home. I guess. <laughs> David, before we before we digress even more, and, yeah. and then we start buying a whole bunch of junk on Amazon, we should probably end this episode. <laughs> I've added four things to the cart yes, already. Yes, that's yeah. right. Quick buy, quick buy, quick buy. Yep. Yeah, it'll be here in three hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, we appreciate your interactions. We, we hope that it's encouraging to you to, again, as you listen to the sermons, as you interact with your people, do so in a practical way. How then shall I live? What would Jesus do with this? How has Jesus lived with this? Right. These are the questions we ask ourselves. It enables us to be able to love our people even more and even better than we do now. Right. And that's the goal. That's the goal. That's going to create and foster healthy church community. And that's that. That's what we want. That's what we want. That is going to be the ultimate, the ultimate thing in this world. That is that is the light that sets us apart. Is how we love one another. Right. So. If you have any questions or comments, you can head on over to any of the socials. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, we are there, at PracticaPod. You can head to www.practicapod.com. You can listen to the most recent app. You can submit questions there as well. Um, we appreciate interacting with you guys. We, we love all of you. And um, we hope it's been encouraging to you. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Practica Podcast. Have a good week.